Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief Critic, joined as always by our Editor-at-Large, Ann Thompson in L.A. And, and we have quite the story to start with this week. Just a couple of hours before we started recording, this big New York Times story dropped. A lot of people knew it was coming. There were reports yesterday that it was almost here, uh, alleging decades of sexual harassment by Harvey Weinstein against many different women, including people who work very closely with him, actresses. Um, It's a pretty serious situation. It's one that obviously a lot of people in this community, in this industry, saw coming in different kinds of ways. But to have it get to this point really changes the equation. I mean, Harvey has said in his statement that he's stepping away for some period of time. We don't know exactly what that means. But it certainly does mean that this is a company that's going to go through some really rough times right now. Well, it's in rough shape already, basically. But what's interesting about this, I mean, we, we IndieWire itself has been covering uh, the climate at CineFamily and, and at Alamo Drafthouse and Fantastic Fest and Harry Knowles and all of these different um, companies that have been uh, dealing with women stepping up and uh, staying out loud and in public what they say to their friends, you know, and what they talk about with, with other people, but don't go on the record officially. Right, which is why the story's Harvey, never ran. Yeah. Well, the, well, there was a story that ran a few years ago. Uh, one woman did step up, but Harvey managed to silence it, managed to get it out of the courts. And how did he do that? How did he silence all the women who are coming forward now? He settled with them. And yeah, but the other thing, the other thing, hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars, much in the same way that Fox News did in the millions. But the other thing you have to take into account here is nobody's surprised that Harvey was a creep. Much in the same way, nobody was surprised to learn that you know Donald Trump said all that nasty stuff. And so it was almost like it's not a revelation when the public discovers this person is a creep. It's a question of no, how can you... No, but we want him to be held accountable. Right. How and can we you want package people that? to put it on the record. And we want the New York Times to do this extraordinarily difficult job of putting all of this together in a way that's vetted by lawyers, that is seriously uh, you know, taken uh, word by word, line by line, so that we believe it. That right. we believe everything right. in here is true. That Harvey Weinstein is forced to take a leave of absence, forced to write a mea culpa, forced to say that his behavior was bad. I love the bit where he goes. Where he goes. I grew up in the freewheeling sixties oh, and seventies, and this is what the l- world was like. I can tell you, and I will go on the record right now that when I was uh, working at United Artists in the uh, late seventies. Um, you know, I, I was in the publicity department there. I was a young woman in my early twenties. Um, and I was, uh, it was my first job out of NYU and, uh, I was a publicist and I was a, a, a one filmmaker, uh, got friendly, uh, with me in the course of doing interviews and, and, uh, took me to dinner. And, uh, suddenly the people in the publicity department said, Hey, why don't you go down to, uh, Philadelphia? You know, this guy likes you. And I, I didn't, I was such a rube. I was such a green, young thing. I didn't understand what was going on. And I went down and I, lo and behold, my room was next to his room. These were my bosses who had done this. And I was, you know, I rebuffed him and he wouldn't speak to me. And it was very unpleasant and I was very upset. That was the way it was. A lot of people 
I would suggest to you that many women, many, 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 many women from this, that period all the way to the present have had to deal with people like Harvey Weinstein. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that anecdote. Obviously, you know, people need to feel comfortable telling these stories from a range of generations and across different industries. And I think this is a microcosm of that to some degree. But what's really fascinating about it, I think, is that the, the film industry and the film community are kind of hard to distinguish sometimes because film festivals and publicity events end up being, you know, party environments, they're social places, and they also bring people together who, in a lot of cases, for certainly with us, I would say, you know, we want to be there because we're passionate about being there, and so it's sort of, it, it, there's something about that that has sort of allowed for this sort of stuff to remain dormant for so long. Well, it's interesting and significant that what Harvey's pattern was, according to the New York Times uh, people who reported and stood up, and I praise Ashley Judd, uh, I praise Rose McGowan, I praise Mark Gill, who used to work at Miramax, uh, for stepping up and talking about this on the record. It's really remarkable that they had the bravery to to do that. I, I do believe that social media has played a role in this, that women are more outspoken, that people like Jessica Chastain and Rose McGowan on Twitter uh, and Facebook are much more open and allowing other women to be more open. Um, and I think a lot of people are cheering uh, in a kind of ding-dong, the witch is dead kind of way, just because Harvey, you know, we all knew I mean, he got away with it until now, and now he's not getting away with it anymore. Also, but I the mean, film he's... festival environment that you describe in this story it was at the Stein Erickson Lodge. Yep, we've all been there. And the Eden Rock, you know, in you know the the, the Hotel du Cap in 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 Cannes, uh, you know that these that these hotel liaisons were were taking place. But he was also taking advantage of the casting couch in a in a way that, all right, let me say the word casting couch. That has been part of Hollywood's fabric right, from the, the beginning. Yep. And I, I think there are probably a lot of men reading that New York Times story right now who are going, oh, shit. Well, that is a real question. I mean, it does feel like there's a reckoning going on across multiple industries. People speak up, and they have different kinds of ramifications. Like, for example, last year, something happened with Devin Faraci where someone kind of accused him of doing something, and then all this stuff happened very quickly, and he was just done. Now, that, it's not that... the the. Chasm what you're saying is that many people stepped up and talked and yeah. posted on Facebook, and, and women are being allowed to do this. I mean, in my generation back in the day, you simply didn't speak up. Well, yeah, you but didn't. I, I mean, and what I was going to say You'd lose your job. Well, but yeah, what <laughs> I was going to say is, I mean, the chasm between a Devin Faraci who's, you know, sort of some of the fan in the fan world is appreciated, and Harvey Weinstein, who's like essentially the most famous indie film person who ever was ends up closing the moment you see this apparatus coming together, which is somebody's got to speak up, other people have to feel emboldened, and then the pieces have to come together within the right hand. So, you know, the Times did a really good job of stitching this together, given the fact that we've all heard amorphous things about it. And, I mean, you look at Harvey Weinstein, you look at the character Harvey Weinstein or Har Harvey Weinraub or whatever they called him on Entourage, he's, like, shouting and swearing at people, and he's, he's a sexist, racist 
pig who always gets kicked out and nobody wants to talk to him. But it, the element of cartoonishness that's there ends up being a veil. It's the same thing with, with Donald Trump. When you think about it, it's by allowing somebody who's awful to become a punchline, it, it, it sort of shrouds them from the real awfulness of, the, of what they're doing. So I think we're going to... I have to say that reading this story, I mean, as much as I knew what he was uh, capable of and, and suspected and had heard, you know, uh, it, it does remind me by the way, of, of New Line, um, which is another company that had a, a freewheeling, shall we say, uh, environment and many scandals uh, attached to the behavior of Bob Shea and, 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 and others at, at that company. And, and many of them cleaned up their act and, and Bob Shea is retired and, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. But uh, that, that was one of the sort of uh, iceberg tipping up and showing itself uh, at, at a certain point, and, and there are plenty of other places where where we know there's been plenty of bad behavior. But, you know, at the end of the day, what I keep thinking, I was talking to somebody about this recently on the diversity question, but I think this is relevant, too, is we don't need to just try to, you know, elevate some oh, women. Arnold Schwett Schwarzenegger comes to mind as well, oh, by the way. Well, yeah, he, he sidestepped this Everyone like five knew. times. But, but I was yeah. going to say, you know, that... I mean, it seems like the on the question of how the industry can adapt to these things, you tend to fall into this kind of pattern of tokenism where it's like, oh, you want to diversify Hollywood? Tell some diverse stories. You want to, you know, get more gender diversity? You know, promote some women. But really, this industry is still run by a lot of white guys, and there's some there's a, a fundamental disconnect between, you know, somebody like Harvey got away for a long time with saying that he was, you know, pro-women's rights and all these different kinds of things, and yet was still, you know, one of the most prominent indie film people out there. The, the industry itself needs to be started. A man, a it man just needs more women running things. Give him credit, you know, he, he championed a lot of, yeah. of great movies over the years. This is not a great years, time to give Harvey Reinstein credit for anything. I mean, he had, no, a, he had amazing give, teams. Give him, credit for, give him credit for that, but that power, that clout, that authority allowed him to get away with stuff. And he was running a company. He was running a company and creating this atmosphere where all the young women who worked at the company were in, in fear. But he also and, had, I mean, it was, the, it was the, the furies, The idea that you right? would have to send a second person to a meeting to protect you, that you that you would have to put on a parka to to protect you, you know, well, but, that, that but you it, couldn't dress alluringly in his presence. But it, but it, you know, you this say he was, you say that he was running a company, and I know he had you know vision and and was certainly very aggressive in certain ways. Kind of invented the market at Sundance and to a certain degree, at least the narrative of that. But the 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 team that he built, the people who have sort of done their Harvey time over the years. You can't discount the value of that, too, and the way he sort of, he has become the symbol of all these things that have happened, but it, as he was doing all these things, you also had a factory of people who kind of had to operate underneath him who are, to a large degree, responsible for a lot of those successes over the years. So th Which this is, is a big problem. a lot of them left. This is part of what I would suggest to you, is that that toxic atmosphere that we all knew existed, you could say, oh, everybody learned so much at the knee of, of Harvey, and, and then they took that wisdom and they, they were scattered through through the, the industry. But over the years, there, you know, when people 
talk about Miranon meetings and so forth. What were they talking about at those Miranon meetings? They were talking about surviving a really intensely unpleasant uh, work environment that was yeah. toxic for many people for many years. So we should probably talk about what this does or what this could mean for the Weinstein Company. I mean, as you pointed out earlier, we came out of the Toronto Film Festival basically saying, well, this is not a good sign for the Weinstein Company. They really don't have any award season movies, and it's been a while since they had They're nothing. Glad, you know, the current war did not work at, at uh, Toronto. They pushed Mary Magdalene back to the spring, um, and the movie, and they pushed the upside back uh, also, it was in the 30s on Metacritic, which is not a very good uh, sign. Yeah, uh, although that, that could improve. And and that, but the movie that did well this year, the movie that made the money, the movie that they are now hanging their hopes on is Wind River. And so they're trying to bring Jeremy Renner, who's excellent in the movie, and uh, Taylor Sheridan, first-time director who uh, was nominated for uh, screenplay for uh, Hell or High Water last year. Um, they're trying to bring them back into the conversation. I don't know how far they will get. It's certainly worthy of it, but um, I think a lot of people think it's a, a nice commercial western that that did well over the summer, basically. But, you know, when, when the Draft House stuff start, for, first started coming out, there were some people who were wondering, you know, is this going to affect this national theater chain? It doesn't seem like that's sort of what's brewing here. I mean, a lot of changes have been made, and that's going to be sort of unfolding over a longer period of time. But with the oh. Weinstein brand, I mean, who wants to work with that brand now? Who's going to take their money? Who wants to, Who's going to go see those movies? I mean, this in our culture where things happen so quickly and spiral out of control. You know, this is a condemnation that's going to reverberate. Well, for a long Harvey, time. you know, this this company's on the ropes already. They're they're cash strapped. The people who have financed them have them on a very tight yoke. Yeah, but they've um, been through that before. They rebooted before. David Glasser has, you know, tried to to change the the ethos over there. And he keep also them tried on, to you know, leave at one point. And then they brought him and back. they had to pay a lot of money and and give him a lot of power uh, to bring him back and that's what they did so he's been running it he really has been um, and I think that Harvey not being there is going to be an issue but they are going to do it have to do to take their movies out into the marketplace going forward how much longer will the company survive I don't know well right and and what it's going to happen to and the projects that, remember yeah. so the bottom line is affected by that as well they're they're not every single thing that they're doing is smart in terms of you know smaller number of movies more rigorous uh, accounting on what what films are going to be in the fall what films are going to be in the spring which ones actually are commercial which ones are not you know they're being very very sharp i don't think uh, and they're putting most of their eggs now moving them over to uh, TV. Well, in any case, for the people who, who are working really hard there and are sincere people who behave appropriately both at work and outside of work, my heart goes out to them because I know there are people who get to work in this industry and are super excited about movies that they can actually push out there. And some of those people do wind up at places like this because, I mean, look, Barack Obama's daughter was an intern at the Weinstein Company over the summer. You know, it's still, even in spite of everything about Harvey over the years, people were still drawn to that brand. And so 
And he couldn't help himself. At the end of his letter, at the end of his mea culpa, Harvey goes, I'm going to take my energy and fight for gun control. I was like, what does this even mean? He's going to keep his hat in the political arena so that he can, you know, go arm in arm with his buddy Hillary and and all the people that he's helped to elect on in his mind. I mean, uh, gun control people are like, we don't need you, man. Keep your activism, you know to yourself. I mean, if he's given money to Again, stuff, great. But. It has been a very powerful force in democratic politics out of New York, and he deserves credit for that, too. But no, I, it's, I mean, it's just, he's, he's going to go but. with whatever power base he has yeah. left. Yeah, and he's suing the New York Times for $50 million, so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. It's. I mean, there's just so, there's so much about this that just feels absurd. It's like, shouldn't have this been dealt with a long time ago? But you know, it has it has to happen the way it's happening, it seems like. It's sort of like ripping off a Band-Aid so that we can all live a little bit better and move forward. But, you know, I, I just hope that the rest of the country doesn't see this and think that Harvey Weinstein still kind of represents American indie film. And we know so many amazing people who are not going to get embroiled in these kind of scandals, who watch their behavior, who treat people well, who aren't even interested in that kind of cult of personality but want to get movies out there. And I feel like those are the people who have a real opportunity now to kind of rescue this community from this kind of bad behavior that's dominated for so long. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in any case. But um, fortunately, we have plenty of other things to discuss, like, for example, a bunch of foreign language movies that have been submitted for the Oscar. More than ever before, right, Anne? 92 have been submitted oh my God. Um, How many are we gonna see for there? the first time. And in fact, it's, it's, I, I spoke to Mark Johnson, the um, head of the uh, Academy Foreign Language Committee, and he admitted that it's going to be a challenge to try to, to see as many of the foreign films as he's accustomed. He's used to seeing like 60 of them right. um, in Which is a still year. A lot. So they have, they have brand new rules. And it's going to be very interesting. Uh, someone like Ryan Werner, who's a, 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 pri- a very important and key uh, marketing and publicity uh, maneuverer on the foreign film side, and who's seen many of the good ones so far uh, this year, uh, and probably some some of the weaker ones too. He is living in New York, but is going to be able to move, you know, to, to because of the change of rules, all the people who were not allowed to vote in the foreign film category now can, it, just because they were working on movies, they can, but they're allowed to do it now. So he's going to go to L.A. And, and try to see some of the screenings in L.A. and all the people in the, who are going to try to participate in the foreign language committee have to see the movies and screening rooms, but they can also have seen them uh, on the festival circuit. They just need to say they've seen them theatrically on a big screen. Well, and uh, the thing I think is great about this is that it's, this is going to, at least in theory, allow, you know, actors and filmmakers who, who feel like they, they have very serious sensibilities to kind of prove it by going to see these things. I'm not saying they necessarily will. That's but That's always been true. But That's I think it's even better. It's like there's more to. stuff. So who, who's up for the challenge of really, who's going to see all of them? Well, they only know? have to see 15 films, according to uh, Mark. So there's going to be groups, numbered groups, based on which theater they can go to and what night of the week they are free. And they just have to see 15 of those films. So they can't just go cherry picking the good, the good ones that they've heard about, uh, which are the ones that are going to wind up getting uh, on the short list. 
even now we know many of them. Yeah, it's so still, it's good squares. for film culture anyway if, they, if they're forced to go see a bunch of random stuff and Absolutely. stumble into something. So. Absolutely. I love, I love watching the foreign language films, even the ones that are deadly. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the ones, the ones that are, um, there's no three-hour movies this year. There's more, uh, there's like eight countries that never submitted before. And I, I just think it's very cool. And, and they're really going to change the rules going forward for the second phase. Uh, they can't do much about it this late in the game for the first phase, except for these changes I mentioned. But the one in the second phase, they're really going to open it up to more cities, uh, including San Francisco. So San Francisco, New York, LA, and and London, and and they're going to have um, a possibility. I don't know if they're going to pull this off, but they're going to invite more people to be part of those screenings than they have in the past. And they're going to possibly, maybe not this year, but in the near, they're going to have to deal with putting everything online. So that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. It's a mixed blessing. I mean, last podcast, I was talking about a movie at New York Film Festival called Zama, that's Argentinian. Uh, submission and it's such a cool big screen experience but it's also a very difficult piece of filmmaking about 19th century colonialism and I feel like some people who get digital screeners of a movie like that are probably not going to make it through two hours and ten minutes of a lot of gorgeous imagery so yeah it's one of those things where you, you, you know, devotees, the people like John Bailey, the new president of the Academy, who's been He's on the foreign committee for years, he really, you know, was like fighting for Bellatar, you know? Mm-hmm. For, for, we need for, more uh, of that. Well, he's a cinematographer. Yeah. He appreciates how, how no, that was well gorgeous anyway. The, what was it called? The, the Iron tur- Horse? The Turin Horse, the yeah. Tour, of course. I yeah. love that movie too. I I will never forget that movie. That movie is seared in my memory. Potatoes will always be associated with that movie. But that actually but, brings uh, up an, another interesting point, which is uh, Tour and Horse was released by Cinema Guild, and it's even for these companies, it's it's costly to do this, and it requires time, and so it, it it really there is a certain kind of like advocacy that's necessary from a lot of different influential people to get these movies in the conversation outside of a handful of movies that all have you know a Sony Pictures Classics or whomever or a Cohen Media that that really know this game inside out. So well, these people can vote now. I mean, people right. like Michael Barker and John Bernard can vote, and, and, though, and, and they watch that's movies. Wonderful. They watch movies. That makes okay. a big difference. Even though they represent you right. know half of them, they'll ultimately <laughs> vote for their own nominees. But at least of they're course. watching a range of stuff. And, yeah, so. yeah. No, I'm. Ex- I think that's great. Um, and and I look forward to to catching as many of them as I can. But if you look at the documentary branch, they have stacks and stacks of screeners. You know, they have. Uh, the, the the same problem and and it's open to, to the whole branch uh, you know I, I think I think this this can be worked out so meanwhile the New York Film Festival is rolling along as we're recording uh, the second of three Amazon films that have the three most prominent slots in New York Film Festival is about to premiere as the centerpiece this weekend Wonderstruck coming back from Cannes and then the festival is going to close with Woody Allen's new film. So I guess the... Which we get to see next week, we'll right? We finally get to see. So we can't really talk about that. I mean, the trailer came out. There's Some people think it looks really beautiful, but is it going to be as one of his better ones? It's really hard to tell. But we still have this sense of Amazon dominating New York Film Festival and what that means. Now, you did a really interesting story about this, which I found kind of fascinating because it's the clearest illustration yet 
of just how prominent this company has become in the festival world and how they can leverage that platform into award season, I think maybe better than anybody else right now, don't you think? Well, I would say that Amazon has, because of the taste of Ted Hope and and Bob Bernie, um, you and I were talking about this, um, they lean in toward the auteurs, the kinds of films and the kinds of filmmakers that are going to be welcomed by film festivals. And of course, it makes sense that they would, having close ties to the New York Film Festival, lean into putting all three of those, those films there. I, I would say that just because they're owning the New York Film Festival doesn't mean that all these movies are going to do great with the Oscars. It means that they're they're worthy, though, and and there is a there is a a stamp of of credibility added to them by being in New York and with all the media responding. But you know, just because they're in the festival doesn't you know. I I'm curious to see what the long term impact. I would like to see the big sick come back and 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 have have a really good strong return into the minds and it's it's coming out online now and and dvd and everything else so people are are, are looking at it and thinking about it again uh, i think that's their strongest contender actually with the woody allen sight unseen yeah i mean it, that it's big sick it's they're gonna have to remind people about it but that's not the hardest task when you have the kind of money that this company has they just have to create an awareness about this movie all over again. The fact that it's been commercially successful actually makes a big difference. But, you know, as a summer release, I mean, it's sort of... We, a lot of other movies now are kind of getting out there and being talked about. And so... And the fact that it's a comedy, even if it's a diverse comedy that works really well, I mean, you have to admit, like, that that aspect of it also makes it a, a tough sell. So, Big Sick, I'm super curious about that one. You know, whether it's, uh, whether it's going to be the sort of thing where people are ready to embrace it months down the road or if it's sort of a, if it was a summer phenomenon because it's been kind of quiet on that one for a bit they'll have to really well they need back. they have to they're 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 going up against all the noise of the festival so wonderstruck which did uh well it can um is going to be needing a boost from the New York Film Festival, and and I'm hoping uh, that it plays as well in New York as I think it, it will. Um, and and by the way, May off of Amazon, Meyerowitz Stories, the Netflix movie that was in in Cannes, played very well in New York. It's a perfect New York movie, so um, I think it got a boost. Uh, although I don't really see it as an Oscar contender, unless maybe Dustin Hoffman squeaks in there. Yeah, I mean, he could. People are really talking about him. Metrograph's doing a, a series about him, and I, I moderated a, a talk with Noah in New York a few nights ago, and, and he spent quite a bit of time talking about Dustin Hoffman, and it feels like that is a strategy for them. And, I mean, Netflix has not had huge success with the, with narrative films. and Narrative. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's... Sort of like so Mudbound is the yeah. other one for Netflix that's yep. going to need to get a boost out of out of the festival. But uh, back to Amazon, I would say there um, uh, that that we'll see if Kate Winslet pops out of out of Wonder Wheel. Um, but the but the other movie they have too is um, the City of Ghosts, which broke back at Sundance and is one of the Doc NYC shortlist. And I think the Matt Heineman uh, Syria movie is probably the the most high profile of the Syria movies of which there are many. Um, and I think it might go all the way to the Oscar as well. So what else do we have left here? We're still waiting on the PTA movie. 
We're still waiting on Spielberg's movie, The Post. Uh, there's a Ridley Scott movie closing AFI Fest. But outside of that, I feel like we have a really sturdy idea of award season now. I mean, we'll see yeah, what happens yeah. with Yeah, I don't think there are too many surprises. I mean, one would be Blade Runner. We can see if, That's true. if Blade Runner That's true. gets a big, They're going to uh, open well. And yeah. I think I think it's going to to be another Warner Brothers, um, you know, entry along with Dunkirk. Yeah. Uh, so those are and, two big, mighty, gorgeous, craft-friendly movies. Wonderstruck, by the way, I mean, as, as is true with many top. Todd Haynes movies. I mean, it has Julianne Moore and supporting, but I suspect it'll be the crafts that the Academy members will be singing uh, in the long run. Carter Burwell for his score, that kind of thing. Of course. Ed so, Lockman, cinematographer. So yeah, and again, overdue. And Roger Deakins. Yeah. Roger Deakins for Blade Runner will finally get his, his More overdue win. than anybody Predict. else, so... And he yes. did an amazing job. It's, it's uh, of all this. I mean, I thought Lost City Z was really pretty. Lots of beautiful movies this year, but but nothing on the level of Blade Runner. I think in terms of just every shot being like a painting in a way. In any case, what's going to be interesting in the next few weeks is just now that we've seen as much as we've seen. It's just a question of how are these different films that are kind of already out there uh, being positioned. So I'm going up to Hamptons this weekend. I'll see. I'll see. They a whole bunch of different stuff that's going to be up there, you know, whether it's uh, Shape of Water or Darkest Hour or I, Tanya. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how people are talking about those movies in that arena. And then, you know, oh, a couple weeks later, there'll be AFI Fest. There'll be another round of all this stuff. So we'll keep You did a good story it. on that. Um, one of the points you made is that is that it's not just, um, you know, Academy members themselves seeing the movies there, but um, the buzz that is by influencers that comes back to the New York conversation. And exactly. that's exactly what a festival like that does. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead into the buzz and hop on my jitney. And um, I'll have fun. Uh, talk to you next weekend. Have a good one. Bye-bye.